0: They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome.
1: Welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, June the 10th, 2022. Thank you for joining us. We want to begin with the Angelus. It's noon, so we'll pray the Angelus. We should pray this three times a day. Remember that God became incarnate. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy
2: Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold
1: the handmaid of the Lord. Be
2: it done unto me according to thy word. now and at the hour of our death. Amen.
1: Pray for us, O Most Holy Mother of God, that
2: we be made worthy of the promises of
1: Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. And we ask the angels to join us here. Sanctus, 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 Dominus Deus Sabbat, Pleni Sun Celia Terra, Gloria tua, Hosanna in excelsis. Benedictus Quiveni, Ten Nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. All right, so here we are on this Friday. And we want to talk about Jesus' obedience to Mary and Joseph. Mm-hmm. And we have it this in the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 2 um beginning in chapter in verse 41 where it, it tells how this happened every year the the couple would go up to Jerusalem for the feast of the passover and when Jesus was 12 years old Jesus remains behind unknown to his parents now they continue with the caravan they return after the re- they're, re- they're on their way back to Nazareth they continue for a day they're searching for him among their relatives and friends they're looking for him mm-hmm. anxiously and by the end of the day when when Mary and Joseph come together it's like Joseph, is he with you? No, he's not with me. Is he not with you? No, he's not with me. So then they have to sleep for the night, and the next day they they go back to Jerusalem, Mary and Joseph, go back to Jerusalem looking for him. And on the third day they come on him in the temple, and he's sitting among the doctors and the elders, and, and they're all listening to him, and they're astounded at his wisdom. Where did this child get all this wisdom? And Mary comes up to him and says, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you anxiously. And he said to them, how is it that you sought me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand what he was saying, which he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. And his mother kept all these things in her heart. The gospel of the Lord.
2: Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
1: And so here we have Jesus um. He's there. He's staying in the temple. And I've heard different people, priests at sermons say things. Oh, he was the rebellious teenager, and he was just asserting his own ego and his own. And it's like, no, I don't think so. This is the son of God. He doesn't do anything without purpose, and he doesn't do anything that isn't specifically for his mission. So part of his mission was for him to stay behind in Jerusalem with Mary and Joseph not knowing it. And then they come searching for him and he's not telling him that they're not his parents he's just the fathers of the church said what what he's showing us here is that yeah we do have respect for our parents that he's teaching us not that you know what is a teacher who doesn't have respect for his parents right but okay so he's teaching us three things the love of god first of all to honor our parents But to preferring God also to our parents so that, for instance, if we know we have a vocation and our parents are, um, you know, we know for sure that God is calling us to a certain way of life and our parents are are trying to interfere with that. And this is God's vocation to us. We have to say to our parents, I have to follow God. It's not disobedience. And it's putting and, and it's not just that and Mary and Joseph, yes, they are his parents. Joseph is not his biological father. But he is representing God on earth, and he has that authority over Jesus, a father's authority. Nonetheless, Jesus is the son of God. And so Jesus makes this clear, and Joseph and Mary already know this, but it's that gentle reminder, but he's not dishonoring them. Something that we have to understand here, Jesus is teaching by example. The fathers of the church say that, you know, he sets forth himself as an example, Okay. So he's setting forth himself as an example of obedience. Obedience first to his father in heaven, but also obedience to Mary and Joseph. Obedience. And the word, it's interesting in the commandment, honor your father and mother. um, The word honor that we translate in English, honor, it means to bestow glory upon. So Jesus has, he's bestowing glory on Mary and Joseph. He's not belittling them. He's not putting down. Okay. He's teaching young people, obey your parents, listen to them, respect them. They're given to you by God as a, as God's presence in your life. They're supposed to represent God to you. They don't take the place of God, but they represent God to you, and they're going they want what is best for you. Obey them because God asks you to obey them. And so Jesus does this. He he obeys them. And He, You know, it's interesting. Think of who he is. He is the son of God. And Jesus learns from Joseph the trade that Joseph teaches him. Joseph is a general contractor, a carpenter we translate, but a general contractor. He builds things. And Jesus, the son of God, you know, God speaks the word and it happens. He doesn't have to build things, okay? So when he becomes man, he has to learn how to build things. And Joseph is the one who teaches him. And Mary is, it teaches him also. She's his mother. And she teaches him all the, little, all the things that a mother teaches her children when they're little and growing. And Jesus loves his parents. And, and he obeys them. And he honors them. And according to the Hebrew command, according to the command of the commandments, that means to bestow glory upon them. He bestows glory upon his parents.
2: Mary, if I could just jump in for a minute. I'm listening and I'm beautifully stated. I just want to say our Lord perfectly lived out all ten commandments. And it's the fourth commandment, honor thy father, thy mother. It seems that, uh, how does this apply to us, is that we're imitators of Christ. So we have to follow his example. So if you run in, and I just got this text from a Protestant, say, why do you have devotion to Mary? Because Jesus had devotion to her.
1: Is that a good enough reason? And, and think about it, you know, he, he is our brother, right? He's the firstborn of many brethren. <clears throat> so, and, and we'll talk about that later on too. Mm-hmm. Why do we consider her our mother? And where do we get this in the scripture? But yes, he kept the commandments right. and, and he lived with them in subjection as their child, the son of God.
2: Right.
1: And so, and we want to look at a couple of other passages in scripture that help us to understand this relationship between um, Jesus and his mother in particular, Um, we have the wedding feast at Cana in the second chapter of the Gospel of John. Mm -hmm. And in that chapter, um, John mentions that the mother of Jesus was there. Oh, yeah, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited. But he doesn't mention that Joseph is there, which is a clear indication that Joseph is already dead. So Mary and Jesus are the ones at the wedding feast of Cana, and Jesus is there with his disciples, right? Mm -hmm. And at one point they run out of wine. And Mary comes to Jesus and says, son, they have no more wine. And Jesus says to her woman, what does that have to do with you and with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. So there's six, you know, this story, six stone water jars there. Jesus says, fill them with water mm-hmm. and take it out. By the way, those were clean water jars. Yes. They weren't dirty. There was no dirty water in those jars. Those jars, yes, they were used for ceremonial washing, but you didn't wash in those jars. You drew the water out of the jars to put it in a basin. You washed in the basin. So the water in those jars was pure. The jars were pure. And so... Then Jesus has, he tells them to fill the jars with water. The servants fill the jars with water and they, they take, out, take it out. And, and he says, go take some to the head waiter. You know, so they're taking this ladle to the head waiter and they're like, you know, and jokes on who? And the head waiter tastes it and he goes to the groom and he said, you have saved, you know, most people serve the best wine first and then they serve a lower quality of wine later on. Mm-hmm. You've saved the best for now. And of course, the waiters are the only one who knows where it came from. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. And, so they, and then the apostles, the apostles see this. So Jesus works his first miracle in answer to his mother's prayer. She intercedes on behalf of the couple. They've run out of wine. It's a wedding feast, and they've run out of wine. And he, she's asking them, she's asking Jesus to work this miracle. He says, but my hour has not yet come. And he calls her woman. He doesn't say mother. Mm-hmm. Now, to call her woman doesn't mean that he's putting her down. It would be like addressing someone as madam or um, miss. It's a way of address that you know doesn't, doesn't put a person down. He's not putting her down. And to show that he's not putting her down. And what's interesting is he says, my hour is not yet come. And yet, what does he do? He works the miracle. Mm-hmm. She just says, do whatever he tells you. Ah. We have to save this for the, <laughs> the other side of the break. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers. We have a men's conference coming up next weekend, correct? Yes. And we have a little commercial coming on
2: I'll tell you awesome. all about
1: it. Awesome. Yeah, we'll be back. Thank you for joining us. Don't go away. Tell your friends and family. If you have questions, follow it.
0: Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888 Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, June the 10th, 2022. And we're talking about Jesus and his obedience to his parents. And, of course, Joseph didn't live as um, a, a to the time of Jesus's public life. Mary is still alive. She's still there when Jesus is in his public life. So, we talked about the, the finding of Jesus in the temple from the Gospel of Luke in the in the first section and we're talking about the wedding feast at Cana. And it's interesting, you know, John um, the apostle John in his gospel, he has a very privileged place with our blessed mother because at the foot of he's there at the foot of the cross. And we're going to talk about this. We want to look at this. And what does it mean? And he was there at the wedding feast at Cana. And at the wedding feast of Cana, Jesus, Mary, Mary is identified as the mother of Jesus. So who is Mary? I mean, who is this woman? And, and we might think, well, so what? You know, In Mary, the word became flesh. The very son of the eternal father became the son of man to enable the sons of men to become the sons of God. The Song of Consolation, Isaiah 41 through 11, has spoken of God coming to those who suffered. Now God himself will personally guide his people in a new exodus to the promised land, the promised land of heaven, the new exodus, to go to heaven, we're called to heaven. Once he consents, once she, once she, the blessed mother Mary of Nazareth, consents to the word becoming flesh, the mother of God retires into the background. This is to be her usual role in the gospel. So you have, you know, she's always there. There's this constant presence, but she's not mentioned often. There's a few times in the gospel when she is mentioned. You have the, you know, infancy narratives up until the, the, the finding of Jesus in the temple. And then you don't see her again until the foot of the cross, for the most part. Uh, there's, you know, a couple of places where she appears. And this is one of them. In, in John 2, 1 through 11, the wedding at Cana. And Mary is there, and this this account actually parallels the foot of the cross, John 19, 25 through 27. There's some similarities here. In both, Mary is called the mother of Jesus. And in both instances, Jesus refers to his mother as woman. At Cana, Jesus says, my hour has not yet come. He refers to his hour. At Calvary, his hour has come. What is his hour? His hour is the time of his passion, when he will actually give his life for us. Okay? So his hour has come when it's time, when he's on on Calvary. Now it is. It cu- culminates. His, his hour culminates here on the cross. When he had done everything which he judged it appropriate to do, St. Augustine says, this is when the appointed hour arrived. Through his will and not necessity, through his power and no exigency of any kind some had said that well it was just fate jesus's life was controlled by fate no jesus is god he is god incarnate his life wasn't controlled by fate his 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 life was foretold in scripture it was foretold in prophecy and it was predetermined by god and jesus is god okay and saint thomas aquinas says the hour of the passion is to be understood not as imposed by necessity but as determined by divine providence so jesus is in charge but we notice mary at here at cana and she has this exquisite charity she's looking out for the needs of others she's there and she notices that they run out of wine and then she goes to jesus okay and jesus does change the water into wine and people say oh well he was denigrating his mother he said how does this concern of yours involve me? Which, by the way, is not the, the best translation of what he said. He said, woman, what, what to me is to thee? Or how does this concern you and me? How, woman, how does this concern you and me? And it's interesting, that term woman, you know, it's first used in the Proto-Evangelium. And that is in, in, um, in Genesis when God promises to send a Messiah, and what had happened? Adam and Eve had sinned, and, you know, Adam blames Eve, blames God and Eve, the woman you put here with me, Lord, she tricked me, and and Eve passes the buck and blames the serpent. Well, the serpent tricked me, you know, and God doesn't give the serpent a chance to answer. He just condemns the serpent, right? The serpent is the devil. But he says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, he says to the serpent. Between her seed and your seed, it will strike at your head while you strike at its heel. So the woman will bring forth a seed, the woman, and that seed will crush the head of Satan. And it is Christ, the Messiah. God is promising the Messiah. And Mary is the one. She's she's the one who brings forth this seed because she conceives her son without the intervention of man. She conceives the son of God. This is God's doing. You know, no Mary, no Jesus. And oh Mary, (laughs) and oh Jesus. God chose Mary to bring Jesus into this world. She was the woman chosen. And God, she's free. God doesn't force her. He asks her. And she says yes. Okay. And if we know Mary, we will come to know Jesus. This is how John the Apostle is closest to our Lord. And he's also closest to our Lord's mother. So we move on from Cana, and we we see Mary asking Jesus to work this miracle, and he does. He does in answer to her intercession on behalf of this couple. And then we go to the foot of the cross, and we have there, you know, there's some women there, and his mother is there, Mary, the mother of Jesus, And there's some other women. But when he sees his mother there with the disciple whom he loved, he says to his mother, Woman. And again, he calls her woman. Behold thy son. And to his disciple, Behold thy mother. So John, Mary is entrusted to John. He becomes her guardian. Now, if Jesus had had brothers, that's, that's another question. If he had had brothers and sisters, why would he have entrusted Mary to John? And again, What is this showing about Jesus? His absolute honor of his mother. His mother is a widow. She has no other biological children. And he's not going to leave her without someone to care for her. Jesus gives his mother to the Apostle John. So the Apostle John will care for her. That he will be her guardian. He's not going to leave her alone. Again, it shows this tremendous respect that the son has for his mother. And again, you know, if Jesus gave Mary to John at the foot of the cross, and he doesn't call John by name, he simply says, behold your mother. John represents there, according to the father of the church, John represents all of mankind. That in this moment, Jesus is giving Mary to all of us as a mother. Do we recognize her as our mother? Now if the son of God didn't feel slighted by entrusting his mother to a sinner, John the evangelist and to all of us as our mother, would he feel slighted if we ask his mother to pray for us? No, I don't know if the, you know, the wedding at the wedding feast of Cana, apparently the bride and groom weren't aware yet that the bride had, wine had run out, but they had invited Mary there. And so Mary's looking out for their needs. So somehow they maybe they knew already that you know what, if Mary's here, she'll take care of things. <laughs> Whoever Mary was to the people of Nazareth and the surrounding country in Cana, they invited Mary, and then they invited Jesus too, and it's almost like, well, Jesus is invited because Mary's there. Sure. You know? So would would it be wrong for us to ask Mary, even as the wedding guest, even the wedding couple at Cana asked Mary to be there, and that by her being there Jesus would be there's it okay to invite Jesus too? Yeah, absolutely. Invite my son. <laughs> absolutely. So, would it be wrong for us to ask Mary to speak to Jesus on our behalf? Is that something that, you know, we can c- consider? And especially since he says, "Behold your mother." Behold your mother. And that's said to all of us, to all Christians throughout all generations. This word of our Lord from the cross is spoken to each one of us individually. Behold your mother. Well, how do we treat our mother? If Jesus gives us his mother to be our mother also, do you think we might keep the fourth commandment in her regard? That we might honor her and respect her? That we might follow, by the way, our Lord's example? And honor her as a mother. St. Augustine sees it as a lesson of Jesus' filial love for his mother. And, And Jesus is showing us how to keep the fourth commandment. So again, this is our Lord throughout the gospel. From the beginning to the end, he shows us how do you keep the commandment. Okay? Here's a lesson in morals. He is doing what he tells us to do, like a good teacher. He instructs us by his own example. That is, it is the duty of good children to take care of their parents, as though the wood on which he was dying, his dying members were fixed, were also the chair of the teaching master, St. Augustine said. Isn't that beautiful? I, I love the way that... that um, so the, the blessed merchant, she, she advanced in her pilgrimage of faith. Remember, Mary is walking by faith. She doesn't have, you know... um. It wasn't all written out to her in a letter beforehand to say, okay, this is exactly what's going to happen. This exact. There's no script, okay? There's no script. She is in tune with the Holy Spirit. She's in tune with her son. And so she's accomplishing the will of God. And this is what we're called to do as Christians, to be, to be as with Christ, perfectly obedient to the Father's will. And this is Mary. She is looking for what is the Father's will in this situation, and she is accomplishing it, and and Jesus is accomplishing it, he gives Mary to us, all of us, as a mother. And so he asks us to honor his mother, even as he honored his mother. So there's no, you know, people ask about praying the rosary, or what's interesting about praying the rosary, and I want to bring this up, you know, what's wrong with repeating the words of Scripture? Do we repeat the words of scripture? Do we meditate? That's what is meditation, to, to ruminate on a specific passage of scripture, to meditate on it. So, hail full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Those aren't my words. Those are the words of God through the angel to the Mary of Nazareth. Hail full of grace, the Lord is with thee. And, and then, you know, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Jesus. Now, Elizabeth doesn't say Jesus, but blessed, she says, blessed are you among women. And Elizabeth also says, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? All of these are the words of God about Mary. And so when we pray the rosary, we're meditating on the mysteries of salvation history, what God has done. And we're using the words of scripture as the backdrop for that. We'll be right back with more on Christ's obedience to his mother, what that means for us, and how should that play out in our lives as Christians who are trying to follow Jesus in his example. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers. Don't go away, we'll be back with more. Invite your friends to join us.
0: Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, Call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, June the 10th. Terry's um, gone out to do errands, so um, we're, we're going to finish up the show here today. We're talking about Jesus and his um, obedience. He remains subject to them, we're told, in the, the Gospel of Luke after the finding of Jesus in the temple, he returns with them to Nazareth and he remains subject to him. And we looked at that that passage, the Gospel of Luke, um, chapter 2, where Jesus, at, at, at the f- after staying in the temple after the Passover, um, when, when Mary and Joseph come back looking for him, he tells them, you know, I must be about my father's business. And yet he returns to Nazareth with them and remains subject to them. He remains obedient to them. And then... We looked at the Gospel of John, the uh, chapter two, the wedding feast at Cana, where our blessed mother, the Virgin Mary, mother of Jesus, asked Jesus, didn't she didn't say, "Jesus, will you make wine?" She says, "They have no more wine." She points out a need, the delicacy of, our, of, of Mary. This is up to him. She points out a need to them, to him, and says, "You know, how are you going to handle this? What, this is up to you, Lord?" And so she leaves it in his hands and she tells the servants, you know, Jesus says, well, how does, you know, what does this have to do with you and me? Okay. So, and, and, and he calls her woman, but he, as we've seen, he's not putting her down. Woman is not a, a, a you know, it's like saying, madam, um, he's not putting her down and he has the utmost respect for his mother. Jesus kept the fourth commandment perfectly. And he teaches us to keep the fourth commandment perfectly also. So to denigrate Mary the mother of God would not please our lord at all it's not what he asked for i was thinking about it. somebody was asking me recently about this you know i was like well well you know um you know do i have to pray a specific prayer in order to get to heaven well no i don't think you have to pray a specific prayer to get to heaven we have to live in the will of god we have to live in union with god in order to get to heaven and we have to submit ourselves to his will and allow ourselves to be transformed by his grace in order to get to heaven and the person was kind of saying well you know why why would someone pray to the blessed virgin Mary?" And i said well uh, you know i didn't think of it at the time but um i want to use this analogy remember jesus is her son you know the second person of the blessed trinity our messiah he has a mother a mother that he chose by the way that he created (laughs) and um if you had a friend that you invited over to your house and your friend walked into the house and your mother opened the door for him and just the friend walks by your mother and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, walks upstairs to your room and ignores your mother and um, doesn't pay any attention to her at all, what would be your attitude? towards your friend you have a really let's let's assume you have a really good relationship with your mother and you really respect your mother would you look at your friend and say you know what you didn't even greet my mom you need to go downstairs right now and say thank you so much for allowing me to come into your home you need to go down there and you need to treat my mother with respect and if you can't do that you're not really a friend of mine You know, I I always wondered when I saw young people, you know, come and visit at a home and they had no regard for the parents of the people they were coming to visit. And I always wondered, what do you want out of these people that you're calling your friends? You don't want to have anything to do with their parents. Usually that's a sign that you're trying to use the person, that you don't really have regard for them. You only want them for what they can give you. Now, I'm not accusing Christians who don't pray to Mary of only wanting what Jesus can give them and not really regarding his person. But but think about just remember, God really became man. He's really part of a human family. He's really part of the whole human family, but he actually became part of a specific family. Mary and Joseph were his parents. Joseph was not his biological father, but his father, he had authority over him and his supposed father As far as the world was concerned, this was his father, and Mary was his mother. And God doesn't seem to have any problem at all sharing his glory with his saints. Look at the Old Testament. Look at the works that he works through his friends. Moses, he sends Moses into Egypt, and he works all these signs and wonders through Moses. They get to the Red Sea, and he says, okay, split the sea, Moses, command it. And, and in obedience to, to Moses' command, God splits the sea. And, and all these miracles that God's works through, but you know, God telling Moses what to do. But nonetheless, Moses says, This is what, you know, God asked me to do for you, for you people right now. And God does that. He shares his glory with his friends Moses, the prophets, David, all throughout the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, what does he do with his disciples? He gives his disciples his authority. He sends them out to work miracles and cast out demons. And they come back and they're like, Whoa, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. (laughs) And he says, Well, don't you know, that's that's not a big deal. The, The most important thing is that your name is written in heaven. But he's sharing his glory with his friends. He's allowing his friends to to shine in the eyes of the world. Now it's not for their own sake it's to bring them to it's to bring the world to Christ just as in the old testament when god shares his glory with his people israel and he does he shares his glory with his people israel so that that was so that the, the people of israel would bring the people of the world to god and that's what he's asking of us in the new testament he wants us to bring the world to god we're not supposed to go out into the world and then conform to the world and suddenly Forget about God or think that, oh, well, God doesn't care if I sin. A little here and there and a little there. You know, it's okay. God will forgive me. By the way, that's called presumption. I can commit this sin now and go to confession later or ask God forgiveness later. That's called presumption. And it's a grave offense against God. So we're talking about Jesus and his obedience and his willingness to share his glory with others. Well, who is his mother? And, you know, I remember once jerry Meditics, this was years ago back in the 1990s was having a debate with a protestant minister and they were talking about the blessed virgin mary and i wasn't present at the debate i was listening on the radio i believe catholic answers sponsored it and they were broadcasting it on a station and i was at home and i'm listening and the protestant minister said the blessed virgin mary was no different than anyone else she was just a dirty old rag that god used and threw aside i don't say that with a smile I say that with fear and trembling in my heart. I don't say that from my heart of hearts. I'm repeating what somebody else said. But my at, at that moment, I just, oh, I, I caught my breath. And I thought, do you, do you know what you just said about God? Isn't that blasphemy? What you just said about God? that That we're not his children. We're just dirty old rags that he uses and throws aside. That this is all we are to God. That we're just... Objects that he uses, and oh, wait, wait, God is love. God loves us. He made us out of love. He wants us to know him and love him. He wants to know that he loves us. I don't love the cleaning rags I use to clean my house. I use them. They're objects. That wasn't, I'm sorry, that Protestant minister wasn't denigrating the Blessed Mother. He was blaspheming God, I think. Now, if, there, if there's a priest out there listening to me who's well-versed in scripture and well-versed in devotion to the Blessed Mother, and I'm wrong. Please call in and correct me. But he said that God just uses us and throws us aside. That's not the Christian view of who we are before God. God makes us his sons in the Son. When he sees us, he sees his son. He adopts us as his children. We are his very dear children. Behave like God as his very dear children. We are images and likeness of God. We were made in God's image as persons to be loved. God doesn't use us and throw us aside. You know, the Blessed Virgin Mary is the mother of God. Do we get it? Lord God, Lord Jesus Christ, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Most Blessed Trinity, open our eyes and our hearts and our souls to recognize who Mary, the Virgin Mary, Mother of your Son is, Mother of Jesus Christ, Mother of the Second Person of the Blessed Trinity, Daughter of the Father, Mother of the Son, Spouse of the Spirit. Who is she? Who is she? The angels cry. Who is she that cometh forth like the morning rising? Fair as the moon. She's as bright as the dawn. The Old Testament speaks of her. Mary. God doesn't have a problem sharing his glory. If God had a problem sharing his glory, why did he become man? Why does he draw us into his very own life? Do you understand what it means that God became man? and draws us into his own life, that he shares with us his very interpersonal life. God is not a solitude unto himself. He is a family, as St. John Paul has said, the first family, because in God there is fatherhood, there is sonship, and the essence of the family, which is love, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God shares this life with us. And yes, he shared it with his mother, most intimately. God created his own mother, Bishop Sheen used to tell the story of, of Whistler. You remember the, the picture, Whistler's mother? And there's this picture, and it's Whistler's mother. And supposedly, it's a portrait of his mother. He picked, painted this portrait. And somebody said to him, Bishop Sheen claims that somebody said to Whistler, well, did your mother really look like that? It's, it's a lovely picture, you know? And, and he says, oh, you know how it is with your mummy. You want to make her as best as you can. Well, God made his own mother, if Whistler, the painter, who was a sinner, wanted to portray his mother as beautiful and without any spot or wrinkle, how do you think God made his own mother? God wants to do this for us, by the way, who aren't his mother, but, but we share in his life. We're not his the woman who bore him for nine months. She's the first tabernacle of God on earth. You realize that? I mean, of, yes, there was the tabernacle in the Old Testament, the presence of God, the Shekinah, the glory cloud is there. Yes, but Mary is the first living tabernacle, first living tabernacle of God, the Most High. She bore him in her womb. God made his own mother. You know how it is with your mummy. You like to make her. As beautiful as you can. Don't go away, we'll be back with more on Bible with the Barbers and learning what it means to follow Jesus in his obedience. Thank you for joining us and tell your family and friends to join us and get our free app of Virgin Most Powerful Radio.
0: Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, Call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Welcome, welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, June the 10th. Thank you for joining us here on Bible with the Barbers. Thank you for joining us on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you for all the radio stations that pick up our signal. Thank you for all the people who have our app. Those who don't have the app, please download the app and get it and share this with your friends and family. Let them know that we're here. We have a Bible study here every Friday for anybody who wants a free Bible study. I also do Bible study um, on Tuesday nights here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. uh, Bible study um, from 7 to 9 on Tuesday evenings. And um, you're welcome to join us if you can. It'd be great to have you. Um, We will take a summer break at some point, uh, probably... I don't know, towards the end of June, maybe maybe um, in July. We'll take a summer break, and then we start up again in September. But we're talking here today about Jesus' obedience and his subject. He was subject to his parents, and we're talking about the fact that um, his obedience is an example to us, an example to us not only of obedience to our own earthly parents, but obedience to God the Father in heaven and to, to those that God gives to us. Now we, we've talked about Jesus and his relationship to Mary and Joseph, and how, at um, when he was twelve years old, when he stayed behind in the temple at the time of the Passover, didn't return right away. They came, Mary and Joseph came back looking for him, and they found him and. He he says that he must be about his father's business, but he returns to Nazareth with, with them, and he remains subject to them. And then we talked about the wedding feast at Cana, which has, by the way, so much more meaning to it than it is so profound and deep in meaning and symbolism. It's a wedding feast. It's you know, God works His first miracle. It says a lot about what God's respect for marriage. Jesus is there at a wedding. How holy marriage is. It says a lot about um, the wedding feast of the Lamb. It's it's a you know a, a foreshadowing of christ's own wedding feast with his bride the church and and all the meaning there and so there's a lot of deep meaning there that we can't get into today because we're we're dealing with a specific subject but um there's so much there and mary's interceding mary is there interceding you know at the the gospel reveals to us how mary prays and intercedes in faith that cana the mother of jesus asks her son for the needs of the wedding feast this is a sign of another feast that is the wedding of the lamb where he gives his body and blood at the request of the church, his bride. It is at the hour of the new covenant at the foot of the cross that Mary is heard as the woman, the new Eve, the true mother of all the living and the fathers of the church called Mary this. And then, of course, we looked at that's OK, so John two, the wedding feast at Cana. And then we looked at John 19, the foot of the cross where Jesus gives Mary to us as a mother. He says, woman, behold your son. And then he says to his disciple, behold your mother. And that disciple represents all of us. So Mary intercedes for us. And we talked a lot about the reality of the fact of how Jesus is giving us an example of obedience and respect and reverence. Jesus doesn't denigrate anyone. He doesn't treat anyone as an object. God doesn't treat anyone as an object. We are all persons to be loved before God. And so Jesus, in giving us Mary as his mother, wants us to take her into our home, even as John the Evangelist did. He wants us to honor her. God doesn't have a problem sharing his honor. And we talked about that, how he shared his gifts and his His honor with his His. Prophets of old, with his saints of the Old Testament, with his apostles in the New Testament, his disciples. And they're able to work miracles in his name. He, he shares his honor and his glory. God is not stingy. God isn't keeping all the, the to himself, to himself. God made us to draw us into his own life. <laughs> it doesn't take away from him. As long as we don't set ourselves up as God. if once we do that, then, uh, oops, idolatry. Then, you know, wrong, wrong. Don't worship me. (laughs) Worship the Lord our God. Don't worship the Blessed Mother. And she would say, no, don't worship me. Worship the Lord our God. But nonetheless, we honor his saints. And even in the Old Testament, and I forgot to bring it in, um, on the Feast of Saints Joachim and Anne, which is August 26th, there's a reading from, I believe it's the book of Sirach. I will praise these godly men, my ancestors. We will, pray, we will praise these godly men, our ancestors. And in the assembly, their works will be known and their names will be told. So we praise those who have been godly and have been an example to us of how to follow God. And who better than Mary of Nazareth? who more than Mary of Nazareth is an example of how to follow God and perfectly conform to his will, so much so that she was able to be a living tabernacle of God the Most High. For nine months, God dwelt in her womb. And then she lived with him, and he was 30 years old, about 30 years old when he started his public ministry. So she lived with him for 30 years, and she's still there in his public life. So, you know, we get some funny ideas sometimes about, you know, God being so jealous that he can't share his glory with anyone or that he would be offended if I ask his mother to pray for me or if I ask the saints to pray for me. Well, you know, it's interesting. I find it so interesting because all of us, all Christians, ask people on earth to pray for them. And yet they won't ask the saints of heaven to pray for them. And we can ask the saints of heaven to pray for us, and we can ask the mother of God to pray for us. And Mary gives us the example of prayer. Mary treasured all of these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary treasured all these things and pondered it in her heart. The words of the angel, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. And the words of Elizabeth, Who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. She treasured everything that God was doing in her life, and in and through her son. She knew who her son was. She fully knew. God told her. The angel told her. He's the son of God. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son. Great will be his dignity, and the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he shall rule over the house of Jacob for years to come. And he will be called Holy, the Son of God. She knew this. She knew who her son was. And he didn't work any miracles, by the way, before the wedding feast of Cain. It's one of the things I came across when I was studying for this um, particular session today, looking at the fathers of the church and their commentary. He didn't work any miracles. He wasn't working miracles as a child. He wasn't going around working miracles and uh, doing, you know, all kinds of magic tricks, (laughs) like they showed in certain movies that they've made about Jesus, you know, when he was a child. No, he wasn't doing that. He didn't. His first miracle was a public miracle, and it was worked at Cana in Galilee, and it was the first of his signs. And he worked it so his disciples might believe in him, and that's why he works his signs. But he shares his glory with all of us, and that he shares his grace and his life with all of us. And, you know, the, the closer we are to God, the more we are filled with his grace. The less sin there is in us, the more we know him and love him, the more we reflect his glory. Mary was sinless. God made her sinless because she was to be a living tabernacle of him. So this is God's work. God is the one who chose Mary to be his instrument for coming into this world. God did that. So God comes to the world through Mary, and the Mary, and then the world goes back to God through Mary. She is the vessel. She is the, she, she's that open door, as it were, through which God passes to come into the world, and then, and then through which the world can pass to go through God. And this isn't my doing, this isn't the church's doing, this isn't the Catholic church's doing, this is God. You know, God made Adam and Eve, and he made them without sin, and they sinned, and Eve was called the mother of all the living. And Jesus is the new Adam, and this is very clear, he's the new Adam. You know, no one argues with that. Well, the fathers of the church said Mary is the new Eve. So Mary is the new mother of all the living. She's our mother. So when we don't honor the blessed Mother. Blessed Mother of God, we're not honoring God. It it, it doesn't dishonor God to glorify him in his works. We can glorify God in his works. And God doesn't have a problem sharing his glory with us. He shares his very life with us. We receive the grace of God in baptism. And in that moment, God comes to dwell in us. And he takes away sin. Baptism takes away sin. Now, it takes away original sin, but it doesn't remove its effects. We still have to live with the effects of original sin, so we struggle against sin. But God gives us grace. That's why he established a church. That's why he gives us sacraments. So that through the sacraments, when we fail, when we don't live up to the calling that is ours, by our baptism, by our being made in the image and likeness of God, to be, a, to be an image and likeness of God in this world, then we can go to confession, and we can have our sins forgiven. And he gives us himself in the Eucharist to feed us the bread of life. He is the bread of life, and he feeds us on his own body, blood, soul, and divinity. This is God's work, it's God's doing. Jesus Christ said, "'Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man "'and drink his blood, you will have no life in you.'" And he honors his mother. He honors his mother, he kept the fourth commandment perfectly, he doesn't denigrate her, and he doesn't denigrate anyone. God doesn't use anyone like a dirty old rag, and we're not slaves. We are his dearly beloved children. Behave like God as his dearly beloved children. God loved Mary. He filled her with his grace and he lived in her womb for nine months and lived with her on this earth for 30 years in the intimacy of home life in Nazareth. And then when he died on the cross, he gives Mary to all of us as our mother and he wants us to take her into our homes. So Take Mary into your home in obedience to God, in obedience to Jesus, in obedience to his command to behold your mother. This was his last will and testimony, his parting words to us. Behold your mother. Take her into your home and honor Jesus by honoring his mother and and glorify God in the great works that he accomplishes in and through his church and through his saints. And we're all called to be saints. It's not the option of the few. Holiness is the simple duty of us all. Lord God, make us saints, make us the saints you called us to be. Sanctify us, fill us with your grace, work your, your work in us, accomplish in and through us all that it pleases you to accomplish. Thank you for joining us on Virgin Most Powerful Radio on this Friday, June 10th, 2022. This is Bible with the Barbers. Thank you for joining us. Please pass this on and tell your friends and family that there is a Bible study that they can join and learn more about their faith and fall more deeply in love with Jesus Christ and his church day by day. We'll be back next week.